breakfast on SEN. All right, it's a very good morning to you if you're just joining us for the first time. If you're waking up to us on this Tuesday morning, welcome. Uh, Kane Corns and Phil Davis with you for SEM Breakfast, which is powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Busy first hour. We had a bit of fun with some of those minor injuries. Well, they sound minor, but uh, they're actually major. After I had to go to the doctor yesterday and see my son's ingrown toenail get cut out. But the ones where you'd walk into a pub and you say, Oh, I got this I got this paper cut and everyone will just laugh at you and toughen up. Phil had a couple of good options for us, as did you off the temper text. And we've got a big Mick Cafe menu coming up. We're going to talk some tennis, some athletics and some football shortly. But Phil, just before the seven o'clock news, we were discussing what I think the tennis player has been pretty pedantic with the um, making everyone sit down at the tennis and be quiet. And I sort of mentioned golfers can be a little bit the same and even cricketers with the sight screen. Tony gave us a call. He's a golfer and he wasn't happy with my remarks and he's hung around to debate it with me. Tony, give us your best 20 seconds. Well, Corns in. Well, look, this is their office. This is their livelihood. Now, if you were in a workspace, in an office environment, and someone comes in and interrupts your plan of what you've got for the day, you won't like it. So this is their office space. They're entitled, okay? They're entitled to, to, to go about their business with no interruptions. And as I said earlier, if these golfers, PGR Tour players, are putting that represent a putt that's going to be worth a quarter of a million dollars every time they miss, they're entitled to actually walk away and request that person to stop movement because they see him out of their corner of the right and it disrupts their concentration. Mm. That's all yeah, I'm look, saying. Now, so, we're, again, yeah, no, so we're discussing, like, there's levels of it. Clearly, if someone's standing up and shouting and, and doing that while a, a golfer's about to have a putt, I get it, but... There's movement, there's background noise, and then there's noise. I wonder, Phil, why some sports we can do whatever we want. Like even, even snooker, the crowd doesn't have to be quiet. Darts, they're pretty rowdy. Similar sort of fine Ooh, skill one, game to having a putt in golf. I think a free throw in the NBA is, is like a quite a defined skill where you'd like some focus and some silence. Where a penalty kick in soccer, soccer would be similar mm. to a golfing putt. Why can you... Make as much noise as you want there, and you're not allowed to in other sports. And I get tradition and I get all of that, but I just think we need to just suck it up a little bit, don't we? Yeah, I think you're right. I think if we can take away like the, for me, it'd be hard if I was trying to putt or you know anything, and that that quick jab of noise that just obviously your body reacts somewhat. Maybe you miss a putt. I understand we're trying to, you can avoid that, but the rest of it doesn't bother. I think it goes back to probably where all the sports started. To be fair, mm. like mm. soccer started on the streets, no one cares. Tennis is. Tennis is a weird one that probably started against a brick wall somewhere back in the day. But I just think, for me, you've got to look at a few things. Like, we're in an entertainment sport. Telling your fans to stop, be quiet, sit down, if anything, if it alienates them. You know, like, like yeah. if I go, I saw, looked the other day, and I think the cheapest ticket to the final, the men's final, is $2,000, I think. Right. Right. So if I get caught outside and I miss a game, you know, whatever that mm. percentage is over time, like, you're, you're, you're giving up, like, quality dollars per se to be sitting waiting. So I understand coming every game, but then be respectful. Just keep teaching fans how to be respectful. And, you know, that's like cricket. You know, that's the same thing. It's like if you're distracting so I can't really see the ball, that's a big hindrance. But a bit of movement here and there, to me, that doesn't really matter. And I guess we both come from a sport where there are no rules on what happens. Mm. 
And if anything, people are trying to put you off all the time. You can have your opponent up the other end shriek and grunt as loud as you possibly can, and that's okay, but the tennis player can't handle someone at the Aussie Open trying to find their seat. I just think, and I get the debate, I'm happy to have it with you this morning, we can, or sports stars in some sports, can be a little bit pedantic. Right. We're going to give you Phil's Fast 15. We're going to discuss some of the topical footy things and put Phil under the pump. If you've got one, send it through 0433981116. Let's start. We've got a minute on each topic. Okay. We can go for the whole minute. We can go for five seconds and move on. It'll be your call. Phil, I discussed the fact that uh, it's a very underwhelming free agency class coming up. We're about to see another one re-sign Todd Marshall. Would it be better if the AFL had a, a maximum five-year contract limit? Yeah, well, I think for me, I see that clubs just keep on, you know, breaking and giving up the big contracts. I think players and managers are entitled to ask for whatever they want. My view is that clubs, you know, the big ones, like I don't see many, like I haven't, have Geelong ever given out a monster contract? I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I know Tom Stewart. And Dangerfield might have got five. Five. But I, I yeah. guess my, my point on that is, Managers come out and say, oh, we want seven years. Clubs should say, oh, I'll give you five. And then you play chicken. Because I, I think most players do not want to leave. Mm. And, uh, you know, when I talk to young players, I say, you do two-year deals all the way up till free agency. You get to free agency, you do your big deal. And that's just how it has been structured at the moment. That's what I do. And I guess clubs would argue, hey, if I give him six years at $800,000, or do I give him four years at $1 million, I'm getting a discount for the extra few years. But there are a few contracts, I know you talk about a lot, that are, are long. But how I always view it is you're paying unders from 26 to 30. Let's use your usual free agent thing. You're paying unders from 26 to 30 to pay overs between 30 and 33 when the contract mm. finishes. But that's when we all talk about it and go, geez, this contract's aged poorly. Why don't the AFL just take it out of their hands though and say five years, that's the rules. It's yeah, five well, years max. I reckon one day we'll be at the point where we have clauses where you can say you can rip up a contract. There'll yeah. be more triggers that say, hey, the AFL say, you can go over seven years. However, after five years, six and seven, there are certain triggers that have to be met no matter what. All right, Phil, I reckon the public's perception is that 70 to 80% of AFL players take illicit drugs. Now, whether that's once a year, that's in the off season, I reckon that's about the percentage that the public think AFL players indulge in that. What's your view and should that bother the AFL and by extension the AFLPA? It always bothered me, Kane. I never liked it personally to be sort of um, covered the perception by that brush. That, yeah, the perception yeah. that every, yeah. I, did, I never liked that as a player, like having someone that never touched it my whole life. Did uh, you ever address it with anyone at the Euro delegate for a while? Yep, I delegate, I was a vice president of the PA. Um, no, it's definitely a big topic. I think the hardest thing at the moment is it is a welfare problem as well in certain stages and trying to delineate between the two, it's very difficult, I think. And that's probably the biggest challenge, but... There is no doubt that if that's the perception, then that should bother the AFL and the AFL Players Association. Mm. I, I remember lots of players have said along the time, we're not role models, blah, 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 blah. But we are. You're in the public eye. You are leaders in lots of different ways. And our behavior should should carry more weight. And it does carry more weight because, you know, think about the audience that we get. We go from, you know, two-year-olds to four-year-olds to eight-year-olds, you know, all the way through um, that should be, uh, um, you know, very concerning and they should be worried about that and they should be working on it. Because I know they deep, they really, really care about it. But currently, if that's the situation, we need to find a better solution. Mm, hoping to have Paul Marsh on later in the week. Hopefully, he's going to pop by in the studio. Phil, what are you weighing in at the moment? 
I haven't been on the scales for a while, um, but I played at I played at ninety four for best part of my career, mate. And uh, yeah, I, I think this is an interesting one because I do get the the, the concept around um, weight and the problems that plays and people can have around weight. Like I've have seen, you seen, yeah. Tell me about. I've seen a couple of players, yeah, a couple of players that really struggle. That I thought their eating wasn't healthy. Um, I, I noticed it well, by not eating enough. Yeah. Or? I saw a lot of players that were really, really conscious about their weight who got told you have to be X kilos, like calorie counting. And I understand that there's a very fine line between being a professional and eating very well, but the line between that and, and, and some form Obsessive. of, yeah, yeah. And I've seen that a lot. And then, yeah, you do see it a lot. And I think how much we talk about it isn't healthy. However, I think this is just a simple solution for that topic because I don't know what you remember, Cam. I don't even remember giving someone my weight at the start of the year. And often, I remember when I was smaller, I remember in like 2012, 13, I would have been like 91, 92 kilos. And the forwards were bigger back then, like mm. Cloak and all them and Pav, they're all like 100 mm. kilos. So I used to lie. So I'd be like, can you please put in that I'm um, 97 kilos in the AFL record, but I was 92. <laughs> and then at the end, like, I didn't even care. Like, it never even bothered me. I never looked at another team, another person's weight. Um, I do think my special skill is guessing someone's weight just by looking at them, Kane. So oh. I didn't really need the, the AFL record for that one. But I, I think there are issues around eating um, with athletes. You think this will help hiding, hiding players' weight? I don't think, think this, this. I don't think this helps. Um, but maybe it takes away some stigma around it. I think, you know, I remember the under-18s don't do skin folds anymore. That's right, yeah. Um, I understand that. But unfortunately, that first day at AFL club, your skin folds get taken because you are a professional athlete. And it's about a healthy discussion. I know I'm going for longer than a minute because I am passionate. There has to be a healthy discussion about this because, you know, eating disorders can come in all sorts of forms. Um, mm. You know, the dysmorphia stuff. So I think it's definitely an area that this probably doesn't help that but it is at least hopefully making it aware to the public that players do have issues with their body too. All right, Phil, if you had to choose a band, which band will Richmond finish season 2024 in bottom six, middle six, or top six? I'll get splinters for this because I'll say uh, middle six, but my comment is Tom Lynch doesn't play over 15 games. It'll be bottom six. All right, what about Geelong? Geelong, I just think they've just still got so much top-end talent. So they'll be middle six again. I think I just think they won't get back to the top again until they can plug some big holes in the midfield. So but I'm they saying, won't drop away. They won't. They'll just because they just have the best. I think arguably got the best system in the game where you just don't you don't lose big and you're always in games. And when you've got Cameron and Hawkins in the front and Dangerfield and Guthrie and those Duncan with the ball every now and again, yeah. I just think they're just my my biggest concern is. And they've all, I'm sure Andrew Mackey and the team have got an approach, but they need to get some top-end talent around the ball. All right, we're doing Phil's Fast 15, 15 footy topics in a minute with Phil Davis. Gold Coast, do they play finals for the first time this year? No, they do. I, I, I look at their team and I really don't see too many weaknesses if Ben King can take that next step. I, I think they are an amazing team. And from what I've, the little whispers I've heard, Cam, I'm sure you've heard the same, I don't think they feel as though they've been in a position like this with such a crystal clear game plan and mm. I, an, an identity that they think will really stack up. So so that's what you're hearing out of the yeah, Damien Harbick-led I'm hearing that they're, lo- they're absolutely loving it. Um, that nothing against Dewey. They, they'd love that. Do you that. hear that every time with a new coach? Yeah, though? you do. You do. I saw it firsthand with Kingsley last year, like that Richmond 
approach mm. and it was so structured and so and once you understand how it works like you saw it with the giants last year it just falls into place leon was very big on this is how we play but there's a little bit of freedom around it so a bit of flair while the richmond approach is no this is how we do it and this is not we don't, we don't mess on this this and this and then it just slowly unfolds so so if you're in the stands and you're watching for a change at gold coast this year and similar to to your team last year what what's the what is the one thing he drives like the richmond model drives the hardest what yep. hard yeah pressure on the, the ball hardest? yeah it would just be right. just get pressure on the ball because fundamentally if you win the ball back in the back third of your field or back back 50 you've got 100 150 meters to move the ball every time the best teams move the ball 80 meters to score because they turn it over closer to their goals and mm. you put pressure on the ball you're going to limit their scoring but improve your scoring so that's what they'll be doing they'll be fanatic because i always thought if i looked at gold coast and every time i looked at them i thought behind the ball you could really play with them you could move them around because their pressure on the ball wasn't at the level that meant they could dictate behind the ball. And so you yep. could move and shake and away you go. And we, we had a great success for a long time against Gold Coast. All right. Does Matthew Nix deserve a contract extension before round one? No, I think he does. I think he does. The one thing I, I would think we should get better at in the AFL is why not give him one year? Why not give him one year now? And then you can say, because for him, that'd be really important. Be like, hey, you will definitely be coach 2025. Yeah. But do, will you have a contract for 2026? Well, let's see. But I promise you, you'll be 2026. And then you go through the year and halfway through, you go, this is going really well. Well, here's that extension for 26, 27. I'm just, I think we get scared of one year deals because of what mm. it's saying. But if a coach wants security before, and I think Nixie's deserves a contract. I think what he's done, I thought he overperformed last year with that list. Did you? Yeah, I thought that I, I, I wasn't as big on Adelaide 12 months ago as I am now. Right. What about Justin Longmuir then? Same. Oh, he's 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 going to have to earn that contract. Yeah. Okay. He, I, I think the reason why I say that was to go finals in 2022, and for me to be like, we're only going one way, and then all of a sudden last year was like incredibly disappointing. I think shows that you have to prove that there's improvement again, and, and say that it was an anomaly, not a trend, because I really like their team. I just. I think he needs to add something to his coaching dynamic mm. that helps them score and play with more speed. Because I see mm. speed on their list. Mm. I think he's also hindered by the fact that they don't have a gun key forward. Having yep. a gun key forward is so important. Cause Can Jai miss be that? Oh, no. I don't think he's a key key forward. I think he's a nice second, third piece. Josh Tracy, someone that's got some size about him. Mm. They had a lot of success with Tabernard, and unfortunately, would you say that, yeah. Would you say that Collingwood don't have a key key forward though? Yeah, I know that's it. But I really like what they can do with Mason Cox because if they're in trouble, they bomb it. He's a soft drop, so I doesn't clear the space too much, and their smalls are so busy. And then my check just gets up and back. I just think they've got really nice balance, and then they've got this X factor like Jamie Elliott's unreal. You know, they've just got this amazing, and they've got a guy called Jordan Dugowie that sort of changes games mm. pretty quickly too. So it's more probably for me that I would like Frio to find a way that they can their tools can do more for that side because I think that's probably where they get let down the most. All right, Phil's Fast 15, the Western Bulldogs, Carlton, North Melbourne, a bit more of Fremantle, West Coast, and some pre-season injuries on the agenda still to come. The weather update today is for City Power, supplying power to homes in the CBD and inner suburbs. Today in Melbourne, it's going to be 28 degrees. More of Phil's Fast 15 next.
Breakfast on SEN. Phil's Fast 15, continuing our discussion with Phil Davis, who's in the studio for Sammy Edmund, doing an absolutely fine job this morning. Let's hit him with some of the topical footy topics. Now, I've been fascinated by this Western Bulldogs review. I read in the age yesterday from Pete Ryan that the review findings have been handed to the board, um, Phil. This is a Peter Jackson-led review. How much of that information should be released to the fans? It is such a great question. I think that's probably something that I've really struggled with in my time. I think I've only been a part, I think there's been three or four reviews that have happened to club while I've been there, of which none have been like major or mm. so well publicized as this. Um, I just think this is, when you get the fans involved, there's some information that fans should know. I know the fans deserve to know most things, but there's some yes. stuff that probably doesn't help the club and them by going public. And I think you've sort of got to discern and go through that and be like, all right, that's fair, that's fair. But I'd say that they probably should be able to see 75% of the report. I think mm. they probably don't need to see, for example, how Luke Beveridge or how the GM or how the people interact and like the negatives there. But I think structuring and things like that where we could do this better, this better, this better, I think that stuff's worth doing. Um, I think the real intricate stuff they probably don't need to read, but yeah, it has been what, two and a bit months. Has been November thirteen. It started. Uh, apparently, the board have the preliminary uh, findings of that and are going through that at the moment. So it couldn't be too far from the fans having some information, which the club said they would provide to its fans. But I, I kind of agree with what information should be released. Now, David King is doing a great job uh, heading around to all the Victorian clubs, having a look at their training. Carlton training the house down. He said it was the most intense session that he'd seen from any club so far. I did note that he said um, McGovern is in the best form that he's been in, in his career or fitness and form. Why is it taking him until the age of 29 and in his ninth preseason to finally get super fit? Frustrates me, yes. Phil. Yeah, I think I will – there's three points this one for me. Just the first one, I think McGovern's incredibly laconic with how he moves, which is never a good thing because, like, you either make the game look really mm. easy or you're not trying. So we'll just – Put that one to the side. The second one, he's been marred by injuries. And so I think if you, if you know, durability is by far one of the best strengths you can have. And speaking from a bloke that just did not have it, mm. I, I would have loved some more durability because the more you train, the actual, the more you then can train. I know that doesn't sound like it makes sense, but the more you train, the fitter you get, the more durable you get, the less training you miss. So it's like this beautiful cycle that keeps going while the inverse is true too. But then third, he's 29. The scariest age for any football is 3-0. Mm. Um, as soon as mm. you see 30, one, if you get to 30, you've done well because you've bucked a lot of trends. But two, you think to yourself, I'm supposed to be slowing down soon. My best years are here. And, you know, it's sad because, uh, you know, I've met a lot of players that go, oh, you know, they're 26, 27, 28. Oh, I wish I'd known now what I did at 21, 22. And you know that there have been senior players and others and coaches and staff trying to tell them that information's been yeah, there the whole but, time. But unfortunately, some people just click it different weights and, you know, it's hard to say. But, you know, I think what we see with Mitch particularly is if he's fit and could play more, I think we see a player that really suits that sort of well, third, fourth well, back role. That's frustration because even when he was at Adelaide, the talent, the speed, the explosiveness, sit on heads was, of, was as exciting as any prospect coming through. Now he's been, and he's played some good footy, don't get mm. me wrong, but that's that's even more frustrating for me. I just don't think um, he's prepared himself well enough to elite athlete standards, which has hurt him. And now he's going, okay, gee, I better make the most of this. There's a premiership to win and I've got to extend my career. I'm going to get fit. 
if that is what has happened, I'd be incredibly frustrated. Similar to the discussion we had with, with Jake Stringer yesterday. Uh, Phil, has North Melbourne erred in not addressing its defence in the rebuild? This is its back six, according to the SEN guys that have done their best 23 for the year. Luke McDonald, Logue is coming off a knee, Goda, Zach Fisher, Aiden Kaur, Harry Sheasel. Have they gone too heavy in the midfield on their rebuild? Yeah, I think it's difficult. And I think the hardest thing is the mids. You, you always go hard on the mids. And my, my biggest concern is you've backs, if you're going to go to the draft, and I know, you know for example, Curtin was, is a very much publicized because they're expecting yep. him to come in Adelaide and just play. It is very difficult. I, I was drafted, I picked 10 as a key back, and I was not ready to be the key back until 22, 23. So you have to actually mm. invest a long Patience. way in front. Yeah. But you can also get a good key back at the second round pick. Sam Taylor's pick 27. There's been a few good second round pick. I think Rance was 20-ish. So you definitely go top-end talent. Unless there's a standard, you can go mids. But there's no doubt that that back line doesn't shape up as nicely as where their midfield's looking. Um, you know, for me, I, I like a few of the players back there, but none of them are overly tall. So Aiden Kaur's 195, and I think he's a really, really good player. Injuries have once again hurt him. But we played him at the Giants as a third back because he's so fast and so agile and that to me is almost his best position but he's going to have to he's going to have to play taller and that's probably where I think they've missed out and this is the one thing that I noticed the back end of last year and the year before was there aren't a lot of key backs sort of floating around the system and that's why you see like Liam Jones I think he got three-year deal to go back to the dogs and so Mm. they're going to find it harder to start plug that unless they actually do go to the draft and I, I think they really need to start investing in some tall players because I think, you know, they'd be looking down the forward line and be like, well, we've got Larky. He's unreal. Mm, mm. Who's then helping what? him? You know, I, I think they think Common. Common, hopefully. Yeah, they're like, hoping I'll Common. Agree. I like his shape. Same. Yeah. I like his aggressive, aggressiveness uh, and the way he gets after it. But once again, uh, durability uh, is a factor there as well. And, and just if you start to draft those key defenders, as you said, it might take four or five years for them to develop. By that stage, you your rebuild is, is off-kilter type thing. You haven't sort of married up exactly where you should be. Yep, maybe you target some free agents, but we saw how difficult it is to secure a key back. Have you say, North fans, what do you reckon? Midfield, absolutely elite. Um, Larky elite, of course, but then some concerns down back. Have you say, for double three ninety eight eleven sixteen? We'll hear from Adam Simpson on the other side of the news headlines. Phil Davis is in the house. We're putting him uh, under the microscope with some of uh, footy's topical issues at the moment. Do you think Sean Darcy will still be a Fremantle player by the end of his contract at 2030? And how do you see that duo with Jackson working? Well, I think he does just because I just get a really loyal vibe from him that he really loves that footy club he's invested. He seems like he might actually be uh, a future leader there, like long-term. My, my biggest thing is, will Freo reconsider where they're putting all the assets? We know that the, the salary cap is a sum-zero game, so you have to if you're going to pay someone, you can't pay someone else. So I think they'll look up the opportunity cost at some point. Like if you, sit, if you sat here right now and said, could I trade Sean Darcy for a gun key forward, like a Ben King mm. or a Max King, I think they'd do it. So that was my point. Like, Could, could you have got two first-round draft picks for him at the end of last year? And look, I think they're a midfielder short, they haven't been able to replace Monday and, and fast body has let him down. So that has hurt. Brayshaw and Sarong, terrific. And Hayden Young's gone in there, but they're one or two short there. They're also a key, uh, a small forward short and a key uh, forward short. Like you've said, their back line, their back six is amazing. So that was the point there. 
We'll wait and see how it works and whether Jackson can be that successful key forward that you have alluded to. Let's stay out west because Adam Simpson spoke to the media yesterday. Let's have a listen. Yeah, I suppose it starts in the off-season and what the players do and, and how they go about it, how they turn up and what, what kind of program we put in place. So that, that started uh, September, October, so that, that it goes back to there and, um, and hopefully we, uh, we get a, a bit of a bump in that. And like I said, the, the biggest difference is going to be the type of players we have on our list. So that was him addressing the concerns over injuries, which has been an issue for three years. They had another three injuries yesterday. I took that, and maybe I've taken it the wrong way, so tell me if I have, Phil, that some of his players didn't prepare themselves well enough with the program that was put in place in the off-season. Yeah, and it sounds like almost he's alluding to their injuries previous years because of a similar problem too, wasn't it? So we touched on it earlier in the show, the work that has to get done in October, November is a lot. You have to really get busy. Um, and, you know, or, you know, back half of September too, if you don't play finals, which is obviously West Coast for the last few years. So he's disappointed. When I read that, I think to myself, generally what happens is, you know, you can, you can always take this to the bank. A, a player at the end of his first year, let's say there's five first years, the next season, at least one, will absolutely stuff up their off-season. They'll come back in bad shape. They would have not mm. done the program well, and they'll just, they will look so far out from everyone else. You, you can pick it from an absolute mile away. And it sounds like because they're such a young group, maybe they've had more than you know one, and, and it's actually infiltrated a larger portion of the group than, you know, say, what happens at, like, say, the Giants, someone will come back. They're almost like the only person really it's them and then rehab and you just put all this time into this one but yeah. if you start having five six seven players like that that's a large portion of your group and that can be really destabilizing for your training so i think he'd, you know if that's a content continued theme he'd be incredibly disappointed because that's our job as players was always to go away get fit come back so that you know day one i can compete maybe not in match play day one not so day one before christmas so you know end of middle yeah. of november early december I have to be able to do most drills, not not match play, but most drills, and be safe. Well, you th and and the hunger factor as well is is what surprises me. They've won five games in the last two seasons. Every second week they get beaten by ten goals. So I would have thought the first thing that you would do. I've seen it a bit with North Melbourne. I reckon they've to me they look like they've come back super fit. I've heard great things, Kane. Yeah, yeah. They're and, in great and shape. hungry and driving each other. We've seen what the Bombers have done in the off season. So I'm surprised that uh, after the last two seasons that if that is the case and players have taken liberties in the off-season, that, that's a real uh, warning sign for me as to what is happening at, at West Coast. Yes or no answers with the last two. So quick yes or no. Is it the right move for Harley Reid to start his career at halfback? No, no. Can Carlton win the premiership if Jacob Wiedering isn't sound? Nope. There you go. No fence sitting there. Have your say, one 736 736 or send us a temper text. The all-new Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. It's a mattress like no other. Flying through the morning. We'll be back after this.